Edge Case Podcast may contain graphic depictions of violence, explicit language, and other content that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. At the fringes of perception, beyond the boundaries of your mind, just past the glow of the firelight, out of the corner of your eyes, you will find an Edge Case. by Robert Mayling. People say they want excitement and adventure, but is that really true? Lots of people talk a big game, but how many of us would actually be ready for the unthinkable to drag us, kicking and screaming out of our mundane little lives? Slacker bro Jeff is about to be wrenched out of his comfortably boring call center job and brought face-to-face with Destiny. For only $12.99, you can upgrade to the premium plan. Yes, sir, I... I'm sorry, I... Honestly, sir, I don't even think that's anatomically possible. Another one, Jeff? Get your head in the game, man. You're dragging the team's numbers down. Hold that thought. I got up from my desk quickly without making eye contact with my boss. I was careful not to acknowledge he exists as I made my way to the bathroom. I made my way to the far stall and latched the door. Closing the lid of the toilet and inspecting for any mess, I slowly sat down in the seat and pulled out my phone. I opened up Facebook and resumed my most recent time-killing hobby of Facebook stalking Emily. We had gone to high school together, and I didn't know if I'd ever see her again after graduation, but then she started here over inside sales, and I... So, uh... How's the new launch going? Damn it, Tony, you scared the shit out of me. Well, this is the place for it. Yeah, it's very funny. A bit jumpy, are we? The launch must be going great. I can't wait to start getting tweets about it. It must be nice to spend the whole day on Twitter for a living. Man, don't even. You know how crazy the customers get on social media. It's like, I used to just be an asshat in stores, but now I can do it from home, but still have an audience. I just don't care anymore. I said as I looked at Emily on my phone. You know your boss could be standing outside these stalls right now, right? I don't even care. I did care. Or at least my empty bank account and partially unpaid rent cared. What the hell? What the hell? Jesus! A large man stuck his head under my stall door as he tried to crawl in. What the fuck, man? Let me in, let me in. That thing's right behind me. Thing? Thing? 
Just then, the bathroom door slammed open and some thing that sounded like a snarling animal entered the bathroom. The large man was dragged out from under my stall and I instinctively jumped up on top of the toilet seat so as not to expose my legs and feet. I saw his eyes right before he was pulled away by something impossibly strong and fast. Oh shit! I perched on my toilet seat quietly, trying not to move, trying not to breathe. I was so scared I didn't dare breathe. My heart was pounding in my ears. Finally, Tony broke the silence and whispered over to me, I think it's gone. I've got an idea, I told Tony as I slowly stepped down from my toilet perch and opened my stall door. What the hell are you doing? I ignored Tony as my instincts took over. I don't know what came over me to make me act so brave and stupid, but I made my way past the body in the middle of the bathroom floor. After what felt like one of the longest walks in my life, I reached the door. Not even consciously registering what I was doing, I took off my belt and tied it tight around the door closer arm, effectively jamming the door shut. Damn, dude. Where'd you learn to do that? I went down a real strange YouTube hole one day. Wow. Tony stared blankly at the body in the middle of the bathroom floor. I'm pretty sure he worked in accounting. I wasn't sure how Tony knew that, as the man's face was completely gone. I'm not sure why I didn't lose my shit at that point with the visceral gore right in my face. I guess I was in shock. I looked down at my phone. It was a text from Emily. Where are you? I texted back that I was hiding in the men's room with Tony. Then I asked where she was. How many people are in there? I texted back that it was just me and Tony. I asked again where she was. I'm hiding under a desk out here. Can you come get me? Who are you texting? I can't even get through to 911. Wait, what the fuck are you doing? It's Emily. She's trapped out there. I said as I unwound my belt from the door mechanism. Hey! We don't know if that thing's still out there. But it was too late. I was already opening the door and stepping out. I hadn't heard any monster noises anywhere near us, and Emily's desk was right by the bathrooms. I stepped out the door and around the corner, and there was Emily. Standing out in the open. Emily, this way! I whispered to her, but she just looked at me and didn't move. It was then I realized her hands. Her, her hands were covered in blood, and her fingers were long. Too long. Too much like claws. Emily? I sheepishly asked out loud. It was the last thing I ever said. When I had finished feeding on the two idiots in the bathroom, I washed my hands in the sink. It took a few seconds for my hands to shrink down to normal size again so I could fit them in the sink. Men's rooms are so gross. Air dried my hands. Of course, there's no lotion in here. Retracting my claws always dries out my hands, and these air dryers didn't help with that. I'm so done with working at cheap call centers. I casually walked back to my desk, stepping over what was left of Tony. I mean, Jeff. Tony was the one in the stall. Jeff was the douche who was always staring at me and liked everything I posted on Facebook way too fast. So creepy. Made it back to my desk, put some lavender lotion on my hands, and crawled under my desk. And then I waited. A few minutes later, the police finally arrived. Hands! Let me see your hands! I showed the officer my hands as tears streamed down my face. He then gestured for me to get up and leave in the direction I'd come. I slowly got up with my hands up and walked out of there forever.
The Canine's Guide to Surviving and Thriving in the Apocalypse. Hello, my name is Gambit, and I'm a good boy. And if you're like me, you want to have a backup plan for the impending collapse of human civilization. After all, this isn't like any other normal dangers that we as dogs face every day. This isn't some mailman we can chase away with our mighty battle cry. No, the end of the world has a whole new set of problems for a dog to deal with. Problems which this guide will address so that you can transition comfortably into your new role as dog in the post-apocalyptic world. Part 1. Being a good boy. Now, as we all know, being a good boy is a complex and often confusing process. And even the slightest lapse in judgment can lead to one being swiftly and mercifully cast down from the pillars of glory. At the end of this fall, one might find oneself referred to as a bad dog. A pariah status that we will discuss later on in the guide. I'm sure at this point you must be asking, but Gambit, being a good boy is hard enough as it is. How can I possibly behave myself after this first nuclear missile is launched by a world superpower? Well, have I got some good news for you, friend. You see, the final crack in humanity's thin veneer of civility might usher in a new dark age after extremists of a various ideologies and allegiances irreparably destroy global infrastructure while fighting viciously to control it. Being a good boy will become a whole heck of a lot easier. Remember all those shady characters that sneak around on the sidewalk by your yard? The ones the owner clearly doesn't trust either, but will still berate you for warning them away? Guess what? Those people are free game now! Once humanity's ability to trust the basic decency of strangers is completely eroded by experience and circumstance, they're going to praise us for alerting them to the presence of such potential threats! In fact, not only will a good boy be expected to warn his masters of intruders, but in many cases, one will be expected to attack these people as well. Now, I know some of you may find this hard to believe. After all, the vast majority of people love dogs and are obviously great. But if there is one thing every dog knows, it's that his master is the smartest individual on the planet and can almost certainly tell the difference between good people and bad people. In fact, not only will a good boy be expected to warn his masters of intruders, but in many cases, one will be expected to attack these people as well. Perhaps the single greatest improvement of maintaining good boy status though? No more stressing about pooping in the house because there probably won't be a house anymore. If the house isn't destroyed when the average American suburb becomes a combat zone, the desire to find some semblance of safety will likely drive our human counterparts to flee their homes and will take to the hills, hoping to eke out a living and escape the violence in the countryside. Which brings us to our next topic. Part 2. Going for a Walk Few activities are as important to the trust between man and dog as going for a walk. This sacred practice lets us both know that the outside world is still there, and that together we can defeat it if we have to. Going for a walk has always served a practical function as well. It is the most efficient means of mapping out our territory, which will be especially important during violent revolts, when the poor realize that they have been abandoned to fend for themselves, as the world's elite secure themselves in their underground bunkers. While violent revolts in the wake of global catastrophe is obviously not the best situation for anybody, there is, once again, a silver lining. A never-ending walk may be upon us. Now, at this point, you may be tempted to put this literature down. 
After all, the sounds coming from the glowing box in the living room sound just like the ones outside the house. And your humans are barking very loudly. And they likely smell strongly of piss and fear. Right now, you're saying, Gambit, you're crazy. And I've got to go growl at the door so that no one comes in. I don't have time to listen to fairy tales. I understand where you're coming from. Just hear me out. What is the one thing going for a walk that isn't awesome? Well, if you and I are of similar mind, which I'm sure we are, you wouldn't be reading this unless you were a good boy. Then, the answer is simple. They end. Remember what we talked about earlier? About all the people forced to flee their homes? Well, guess what? Fleeing homes means walking for entire days at a time, especially after radical militia groups start seizing control of gas station and fuel supplies. Which brings us to the next item on our list of things every good boy needs to be aware of in these fun-filled, exciting times. Part 3. Radical Militia Groups I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This one is going to be tricky. The problem with radical militia groups is that they are very nice people, but they don't really want to be. They just kind of have to be, at least until the legitimate U.S. armed services can no longer function effectively. Now. Here is where it gets really hard to follow. These guys are probably going to kill some of our owners, and that's going to be the worst thing ever. But if you're a big dog and you're good at barking at people, these guys will probably realize how awesome you are, which puts you in a conundrum because they probably killed your owner. What I advise you to do in this situation is to run around in the wild for a while. Maybe join a pack of other dogs just for fun. Eventually, you'll just sort of get over the loss of whatever it was. Because you're a dog, and you only have a loose concept of mortality. After running with a pack for a while, you might get bored. Maybe you just can't find any good food. Maybe you smell some of that delicious human food smoke that they make. Maybe you just get sick of hanging out with a bunch of other dogs. After all, these guys probably aren't even good boys like you are. Whatever the case, you might eventually wander across a group of humans who seem perfectly nice and can clearly tell that you're a good boy and treat you accordingly. Keep in mind though, these guys have a different set of rules for being a good boy, but don't worry. That's what this guide is for. The first thing you have to do to establish yourself as a good boy in a radical militia group is figure out who the alpha human is and get on his or her good side. Once you have established that you're a good boy, you're going to need to show that you can pull your weight. Luckily for you, your job in the radical militia group is one you've probably already got some experience with, chasing strangers while barking at them. Now, you're going to be confused at first because if you actually catch them before the new human pack realizes that they are bad guys and shoots them, then you have to decide for yourself if they are bad guys and bite them if they are. Obviously, this is hard to do because dogs are clearly not as good at spotting bad people as humans are. My advice? Keep an ear to your humans. They'll probably be letting you know what to do if you're paying attention. If you find yourself separated from your radical militia group and you meet a stranger, then I have some bad news for you. You're probably going to be their friend because they are clearly a good person. But your radical militia group will get confused and angry at this point and you will find yourself wrongly accused of being a bad dog. Which brings us to the fourth and final section of our guide. Part four. So you're a bad dog. How to clear your name. 
Okay, so now everybody in the radical militia group thinks you're a bad dog and is trying to kill you. Things could be better, but remember what we've been talking about. Look for the silver lining. Your new friend doesn't think you're a bad dog. So at least somebody in this world gone mad still has some sense between their ears. What I recommend you do here is hang around this guy from now on and trust him completely. The first thing he's probably going to want to do is get as far away from the radical militia group as he can, which is great because that means you're going for a walk again. At this point, you've probably forgotten about those crazies who thought you were a bad dog. After all, that was practically two days ago. Ancient history. Like much of the scientific achievements of the last 200 years. You and your new friend are probably going to be mostly traveling at night. At least until you stop seeing militia patrols so frequently. This is actually an excellent opportunity to show your friend what an incredibly good boy you are. Because humans can't get around very well in the dark, but you can. Make sure you mark a good trail. You never know when you might need to come back this way. Your new human will probably come up with a name for you eventually, which will be refreshing because those other guys weren't big on names. Take a moment to congratulate yourself. You are no longer a bad dog. Conclusion. Well done. It's been a heck of a ride. Remember the lessons I have taught you. They will serve you well in this brave new world of dog and man. Always be a good boy. Enjoy going for a walk as often as you can, because you never know when you and or your new human might die. Be careful around radical militia groups, because they really hate bad dogs. If you are ever accused of being a bad dog, just kind of forget about it. Unless they are trying to kill you, then run away. The post-apocalyptic world is a wonderful place, full of adventure and opportunity, because we're dogs, and everything is wonderful and full of adventure and opportunity to us. by Melissa Rochelle May. I used to have those glow-in-the-dark stars. You know the ones. They come with a tack in the package and they're green during the day. You know them. I don't have them anymore. Posters used to cover every available inch of, of ceiling space. So many loving faces. But not anymore. One year I even did the whole ceiling up in fairy lights. <laughs> Won't ever do that again. You want to know why? No, you don't want to know. You're, you're begging to know. Fine, fine. Before I tell you, though, you need to know about me. Me was not a scaredy cat. I didn't believe in shit for the afterlife. Me never got jump scared as a kid or partook in ghost storytelling. I now know better than that. I is a shattered, shrinking image of what me used to be. This is how I have come to think about life, when it was just me, and now it's her and I. She's the new part of my life. It took years for her to work into my life, and now she won't leave. At least, that's the working theory. When one is staring at a wall all night, one tends to relive their entire life with new clarity. Oh, and the pictures didn't help. You want to keep hearing the story. Turn on a lamp, but you have to keep staring at me.
Me moved into this house five years ago with a beautiful newborn and a handsome husband, and this doesn't have a happy ending. I'm not lying when I talk about them, you know. He really was dashing, and she barely ever cried. Have a baby. You'll understand why that alone made her beautiful. I loved them, but I was still just me. Still worked, still had hobbies, still had, well, me. Of course, he got the heebie-jeebies as soon as we closed on the house. This place is haunted. I see things moving around at night. She's getting to you. You're losing too much weight. Stop! No! She's the one hurting the baby, not me! It seemed to go off the rails so fast. One day he was raving about bumps in the night, and the next I was checking him into the psych ward because Penelope showed up with large, hand-shaped bruises on her back. The police said I had no choice. I wish I would have noticed that they were a little too small. I wish I would have noticed a lot of things, like how she often would be rolled to the side or on her stomach in the morning, or maybe how she started crying all the time and no teeth appeared or even a diaper rash to explain why. Maybe it all happened too fast. Greg had been away, that's how they like to refer it, for just a week when it had happened. Penelope was down for her nap, so, so was I. I'll admit I didn't feel alone anymore at that point, but I had no idea what was happening. I expected her crying to wake me up in a few hours, 4 p.m. at the very latest. But I woke up at 8 p.m. with no sun warming my feet and no baby crying herself ragged. For just a second, I'm elated. Whatever was bothering Penelope's over. And then I saw her. Just a second. Just long enough to make me think it was my imagination. Dark, emaciated limbs and scraggly clumping hair hanging off of a too large head with rows of teeth like a shark. Panic spiked through me and I bolted for my child. Animalistic panic only breaking halfway up the stairs and even then only enough for me to fast walk instead of sprint. A constant monologue of hopefully going through my head. Crossing the threshold I took in her beautiful blonde ringlets, her cute dress, her blue face, and stuck out swollen tongue. No! You don't get to leave now. You asked me to tell you how we got here, and now I'm telling you. Keep looking directly at me. I lost it. Completely lost it. My baby was dead. Her eyes had exploded. It took me three hours to stop screaming. There's something about this house. No one ever seems to hear you scream. I cried for probably another 14 hours straight and just held her and rocked. After that, well, I'm not an idiot. I knew that they would never believe I was sleeping innocently away while my recently abused child died like this. So I did the only rational thing I could think of. I buried her in the backyard under a couple of new tomato plants. Maybe I was a little crazy even before I knew about her. She only took two days to really appear after I buried my baby. I noticed her in a selfie I took with the organized baby's room. I couldn't very well stop posting. Somebody would have known what happened. I was, obviously, very creeped out. But I was also curious and stuck alone in this house. She took everything from me, so I went back to the albums. And there she was, amongst childhood photos of me, our wedding, the birth of my child, just, just outlines. But she was there if you looked close enough. I would wake up to scratching and knocking on the ceiling. Being a side sleeper, I would just get up and go to the attic looking for something other than the emaciated woman that haunted my life. 
About a week after I buried Penelope, I woke up on my back and found the source of the noise. She was on the ceiling, and she doesn't like being seen. She told me something that night. For my baby, she would leave me alone for a month. If I wanted more time, I needed more meat. So, have you been wondering why I only accept one interview a year? Or why none of them have ever been published? When I told you I buried my daughter four years ago, didn't you wonder why the cops hadn't come for me? Well, I guess I did give it away when I said, it's just her and I. Greg bought me a year. I think you will too. Stalled. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Robert Mayling. Editing by Robert Mayling. The voice of Boss was Jake Cox. The voice of Emily was Megan Holzmer. The voice of the narrator was Tiffany Clanton. The voice of Jeff was Levi Hansen. The voice of the large man was Robert Mayling. The voice of the SWAT officer was Adam Wells. The Canine's Guide to Surviving and Thriving in the Apocalypse. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Adam Wilka. Music Director, Malia Lukumski. Editing by Robert Mayling. The voice of Gambit was Nathan Holtz. The voice of the narrator was Tiffany Clanton. Her and I. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Melissa Rochelle May. Music Director, Malia Lukumski. Editing by Malia Lekemski. The voice of me was Megan Holzmer. The voice of Greg was Brett Stoles. This podcast is made with love by Edge Case Podcast crew, who thank you for listening. Special thanks to Ari Show, Dominic Weinecke, Amanda Mailing, Deborah Mailing, Joanna Keen, and Peter Pischke. If you would like to learn more about Edge Case Podcast and how you can support the dedication and hard work of our cast and crew, visit patreon.com slash edgecase. This audio production is copyright 2019 by Edge Case Podcast, all rights reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Edge Case Podcast.